0: Welcome to the SOAR podcast. Thank you for your support. If you want to continue to support this podcast, there are a few things you can do for me. Please like, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you would give me a five-star rating. And if you really feel motivated, go ahead and write a review. So welcome to SOAR, the Sisters Overcoming and Rising podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie, your host, and I'm here to help women Overcome limiting beliefs so that they can live their best lives.
1: Sisters come together now, come together now. It's time to
0: help each other out, help each other out. It's time for transformation. Hey. It's time for healing. Hey. You've got the potential, you've got the problem now. We can soar. Sisters overcome and rising. Welcome back to SOAR and our topic for today, the magic of meditation. I would like to introduce my guest who's gonna help us dive into this topic. My special guest is Althea Lawton Thomas, who is the president of Aerobics Yoga and More, an Atlanta-based corporate wellness company. In addition to being an owner and co-owner of multiple businesses, she is the author of a best-selling fiction novel called Losing Control, and entrepreneur how-to book 20 and her meditation album, Guided Meditations Without Thea and topped two Amazon bestseller lists in 2019. As a 24-year certified fitness expert, seasoned yoga and meditation instructor and international holistic healing guide, she has created programs for numerous companies and hospitals, including Kaiser Permanente. Althea has led 18 Living Life Limitlessly wellness retreats around the world, landing her in the top six wellness retreats of 2019. She's been highlighted in many magazines, including Mantra, Yoga Plus Health, and Essence, to name a few. Though based in Atlanta, Georgia, she spends several weeks a year studying and practicing indigenous healing modalities, in Central America, South America, and Southeast Asia. She and her husband are the parents of two grown sons. You will get to hear all about the magic of meditation coming right up. Hello, Althea, and welcome to SOAR.
1: Thank you so much, Stephanie, for having me.
0: I'm so excited to get into our conversation about the magic of meditation. But before we start talking about meditation, I would first love to hear your story. Many of us don't necessarily know what it is that we want to be when we grow up. And I'm just curious as to how Mm -hmm. if you knew as a little girl that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and you wanted to lead retreats all over the world. I know that you went to FAMU because that's how we met through a mutual friend who went to FAMU with you. But just tell us a little bit about your story from FAMU to where you are now.
1: Well, I will start by saying that as a little girl, I don't think I had any idea what I wanted to be. I know adults like to ask kids that question, but I don't remember having the question asked and I don't remember answering it. Mm -hmm. But going to the second part of your question, how was the journey from FAMU until now? First, I have to say that was 30, almost 30 years ago since leaving FAMU. 1992 and I was in the School of Business I came out with a degree in business administration and went to work in corporate America, kind of following the rules of what we're quote unquote. I'm making air quotes. I wish everyone could see it. Mm-hmm. Of what we're supposed to do, you know, you make, yep. we're taught that you make good grades in high school. You go to college, you get a degree, you go to work and then you find the perfect person. You get married, you buy a house, you have 2.5 kids, get a dog if you're not allergic and you drive two cars and like that's what you're supposed to do until you retire the american dream yeah the american dream and it never really felt right on me it never felt right and it was four years after working in a lot of different cities and a lot of different finance and human resource positions That I was, and I call this offering the opportunity. I was offered the opportunity for a layoff from the universe Mm -hmm. and was so excited to take it and really go out and do what I love, which is wellness. And it's really been a magical journey from that time until now. Mm -hmm.
0: That is a great story. I can definitely resonate with that. I feel like a lot of people have that idea of this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen. And then you realize, okay, I've checked all of these boxes of all the things I was supposed to do, but I don't feel the way I thought I would feel. I don't have the joy and the peace.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just not as fulfilling as we think it is going to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Now, before mindfulness became more widespread, I feel like meditation and yoga were viewed with skepticism by a lot of Christians because it was seen as being practiced in Eastern cultures and maybe associated with Buddhism or Taoism or Eastern religions. Do you ever get people with hesitation around meditation for this reason? And
1: if you do, what do you tell them? For sure. And I will say it's it was more with yoga than it was with meditation, I think that a lot of people, particularly Christians, can relate meditation to prayer And so if the terminology is couched a certain way, it's a little bit easier. But I opened a yoga and wellness studio here in Atlanta, Georgia in 2008. And I had just relocated here to Georgia from Maryland. And I was not prepared for the thought process of people here in the Bible Belt. You know, we had been teaching yoga classes and doing meditation practices and all kinds of things in D.C., Maryland, up to New York. And it really is a different mindset here in Georgia, particularly in the suburbs outside of Atlanta, where uh, I had several people come into our studio when we first opened and they would say, and I'm not picking on anyone when I do this accent, I am doing literally what happened hi i'm so glad to see y'all are here um i just need to know before i start this class is this going to be anything against christianity because if it's against christianity i'm not going to be able to take this class that was so normal the first six months of our opening that i changed our entire schedule so that yoga classes were called soul stretch wow i immediately i just removed the word yoga from the schedule and the challenge is the studio and my company is called aerobics yoga and more. So I had to put that class into the, and more part of our <laughs> schedule to help people come into a space that is not necessarily Taoist or Buddhist or Hindu. It literally is just a form of wellness and movement becoming aware of your body uh, to the point of your question. I didn't have as much challenge selling meditation. In fact, a lot of people really, really gravitate to our meditation classes more so than yoga to the point where we now as a company um, are specializing more in our meditation classes than we are in yoga because I don't think people realized how challenging yoga could be Physically, mm-hmm. uh, where meditation is so inclusive of everyone. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we've been kind of blessed in that way. That is really interesting. And you are
0: very talented. You, you can even do voiceovers. You've got lots of things <laughs>
1: <laughs> that you can do. That was an excellent. Uh... I've been here for a long time. So I've gotten <laughs> the Georgia accent down now. I've gotten it. The other thing I wanted to
0: ask you is that it seems with colonization, many of us have become disconnected from our Mm -hmm. history, from our connection to our ancestors. And I know that you shared with me that meditation and some of the indigenous cultures has been used Mm -hmm. as a form of healing. So I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, it's been really wonderful to do a lot of international travel over the last few years and I think sometimes when we're here in the US, we get so comfortable with how we do what we do that it's almost a shock to the system to see people in other cultures do what we do so completely differently and it's so natural to them. So when I use the term indigenous cultures, I am talking about really any ethnic group of people that's native to the land where they are. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not just speaking about people on the continent of Africa, but I'm talking about like Southeast Asia, Central and South America. And it's, it's interesting to go to countries in these places and see some of the healing rituals because they do all involve forms of what we call meditation but also what we call trance Mm. and trance and meditation are slightly different here in the u.s and we can talk more about that it's it's kind of getting into semantics but it is also thinking about what is somebody's goal in meditation am i trying to focus concentrate? Am I trying to be present in the now? Or am I trying to get away from the constructs of what my mind is judging as reality? And so it's that last one. Stepping away from the constructs of what my mind is saying is reality is more of what's happening in some of these other countries. And then there's a fourth component, which is a connection to ancestors and deities.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of indigenous cultures, I would say all of the ones that I have been lucky enough to participate with are doing their rituals out of a connection to ancestors of their people, people who have gone on, elders that are no longer living, and then also to God, whatever that representation of God is to them, because a lot of these are polytheistic groups where they they don't believe in just one God or, you know, Jesus is not just their one savior, but, you know, there's multiple gods or different things. And in many cultures, they're, they're related to the elements and to animals, the sun, the moon, rain, earth, plants. So it's really beautiful to see some of these ceremonies where there's chanting, there is drumming, there are rattles, There's tobacco being smoked and blown, um, candles and fires being burned um, in Central and South America. The the Temescal Mm -hmm. is like a sweat hut or lodge and, um, you know, using heated stones to put them into a dark cave. And you sit there in the dark, but there's singing, there's chanting, there's humming. It's just... They're, they're truly beautiful ceremonies. It's really, uh, it does sound beautiful
0: the way that you describe it. And it sounds like something that I would
1: want to experience and see how other cultures do. Oh, that. you're going to, you're <laughs> going to next year when we go to Bali. I'm so excited. I can't wait for you to come and see this.
0: Well, I, I can't wait either. I'm excited. But as you're talking about that, and even when you said the word trance, That is another term that brings
1: up fear for people. It does. It does. And rightfully so, because I don't think a lot of people have a good understanding of the meaning of it, the way it's being used in some cultures. Now, there's a reason for being afraid in other cultures, because trance does mean being possessed. Mm-hmm. A deity or a, you know a past ancestor coming into your body and taking it over and and I get that I understand that being uncomfortable for a lot of people but trance in um, a lot of the ceremonies that I've been a part of sometimes they're plant-based plant medicine so we're talking about things like peyote ayahuasca Iboga, mushrooms, marijuana, when plants are being introduced into a process of healing and meditation is a part of that, the trance is not where you're being possessed or taken over by someone else. It's where you're no longer in our current reality. You're really so in you, into the soul of you, the deepest part of you, that you're not hearing anything. You're not seeing anything. You're not feeling anything. Somebody around you is like, Hey, are you there? Are you there? But you're not, you're in a trance where you're internal. And that is something that's depending on how you perceive it. Cause it's all about our perceptions, but in my personal opinion and perception, it's a good and healthy thing because now you're no longer being controlled by outside elements, what somebody else is telling you, by fear from the news or mm-hmm. someone is yelling or screaming or falling, you're just with you on your deepest level. And I think it's it's really healthy and wonderful to connect with self in that way.
0: Yeah. I've had some experiences where when I was working with my life coach and there was I guess it was a form of meditation and also a form of sort of like connecting with your with your uh, inner child and then connecting mm-hmm. with your future self. Absolutely. It was
1: extremely yeah. powerful.
0: And so powerful.
1: I've done the same thing. So healthy. Yeah, very, very healthy. Allowed me to
0: really heal from some things and release some things. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's very exciting. So when you talk about the... Music, the singing and the dancing as being forms of meditation. When I think of music, singing and dancing, I think of that more as praise or celebration. Mm -hmm. But what makes that meditation as well?
1: You know, here in the U.S., this is something that maybe some of your listeners can identify with a little easier. Chanting. Chanting is pretty common now in the U.S., And that's a form of singing. If you think about it, it's rhythmic, it's repetitive, depending on what it is that you're chanting. You know, the most popular one is the letters O-M, but the sound is A-U-M. Om... So doing that creates a vibration. The vibration moves throughout your body. Several people in the room making that sound together in harmony, it has an impact on your body. And when there's silence after it, and you're just breathing, it sends you into a meditative state. So if we think about all of these different, more popular forms of meditation, transcendental is a good one. Transcendental meditation starts with chanting. The purpose of the chanting is to center your mind on this sound, this vibration, the meaning of the words, and then moving into silence. And from that silence, going so deeply into yourself that you no longer are thinking thoughts or aware of what's around you. You know, if if we're thinking about it with all of those elements, drums and rattles and someone's stomping on the ground and there's music, yes, it might be reminiscent of a religious ceremony outside, like a revival. Mm-hmm. But even in those cases, we see people that sometimes go into trance, mm-hmm. right? They go into a state where they're not really here. They might not even remember what's happened. And they're dancing and they're singing. Sometimes they're speaking in tongues. And a lot of times we think that show and a lot of times it is show, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. I'd say there, you know, there's a percentage in there where people really are kind of going away to another place. And so that, that's that form of meditation that I'm talking about. You know, and chanting, sometimes it's, it's, you know, in other languages, but it has a rhythm and the words mean something. And that rhythm is lulling. And it stops everything else from being in your head, but that rhythm and that flow. And it just puts you into that really beautiful, sweet spot of meditation.
0: Mm. Very sweet. Your, your voice is very lulling as well. <laughs> People <laughs> say that. People say that to me. Yeah, absolutely. The types of meditation that you just described are very different than the meditation you get on the Peloton app or even the Calm app or any of the sort of the mainstream, I guess, kind of fast food types of meditation that the people have access to. Why do you think that sort of like the mainstream meditation in the U.S. is so different from what you're describing.
1: I think it goes back to some of the the earlier discussion we've had where people are not as comfortable with things that are outside of their comfort zone. And secondly, we have to start somewhere. So I play the piano. I started playing the piano when I was five. When I was five, the teacher did not sit me on the stool and give me sheet music from Mozart and Beethoven, um, Chopin. She didn't start with that. She started with me with hand placement on the keys. My thumb is on C on my right hand. My pinky fingers on C on my left hand. Hit C, hit C, hit C. And then the next day I went to CD. And then the next week it was CDE. And then eventually, after years, I was playing sonatas, you know, then, then it makes sense. Meditation is no different. This is not something that someone should sit down on a meditation pillow on day one and think they're just going to sink down into themselves without external thoughts coming in. Like wondering, did I turn off the stove? Mm -hmm. Did I work the dog? Is it my day to pick up the kids from soccer practice? It doesn't work like that. You know, your mind is going to jump in because that's what it's been doing for 30, 40, 50 years. So you have to start somewhere. And apps like the Calm app are wonderful because mindfulness is kind of where they start. And mindfulness is how I start the majority of my classes and my clients. Um, Particularly if they're in a corporate setting If I'm teaching in a school, if I'm doing something local one time, uh, you know, paying attention to what you hear and being quiet and closing your eyes makes you tune in to things you weren't paying attention to because your mind was racing. You know, stopping to look all around you at the colors, the shapes, what's there, you know, contrast, big and small and shadows, stuff like that makes people Tune in, pay attention and be present in the now, not going to the past, not going to the future. So I think mindfulness and a lot of the things that you hear on those different apps are wonderful ways to get people jump started and into a routine, like learning the letters or the keys on the keyboard and starting your scales before you move in um, to playing a minuet. Yeah, that makes total sense. You have to start somewhere. But but it does
0: seem like, you know, based on your description of other countries and other cultures, the U.S. is advanced in a lot of things, but it does seem like we may not be quite as
1: advanced when it comes to meditation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I think we are a bit um, limited here in things that are more natural, more holistic. For instance, it's, you know, our grandmothers, our great grandmothers, when we were sick and stayed at their house in the country, you know, if that's where people's grandmothers and great grandmothers were were living. If if I got sick, my grandmother went out back and dug something up out of the ground and came in the kitchen and mashed it up Mm -hmm. and put in some garlic and onions with it and boiled some water and gave me something nasty to eat. But by the next day, I was back outside playing and I didn't have a cold anymore. Mm -hmm. That's not quite how we do things now. Now we immediately run to the doctor. We go to Walmart or Target or CBS or Walgreens and grab something over the counter. We've completely forgotten a lot of our connection to holistic ways of living. And sitting still outside in the quiet is something, you know, when I think about it, that's what my grandfather did. Mm-hmm. He might have been doing it with a pipe and a cup of coffee. But he was sitting there doing nothing, saying nothing, just looking out at the sunset, sipping on a cup of coffee, puffing on a pipe until it was dark and then he would come in. That's not how our lives are now here in the US Now we're kind of Netflix binging and mm-hmm. you know playing video games and on social media and working until all hours because we're working from home and we have computers and wi-fi whereas in other countries technology is not always the same as what we have here and that's part of why i started doing the retreats out of the country because when i do the retreats here everyone's still connected Mm -hmm. but if i take you to the peninsula of costa rica where wi-fi is really crappy Mm -hmm. and they don't have any lights on after sunset because they're an eco-friendly environment and they know that having lights affect the way the birds, the animals, and the insects function when the sun goes down, you have no choice but to reconnect holistically with the earth, with your circadian rhythm. Yeah, You get up with the sun, you go to sleep with the sunset, you sit in the dark quietly and you talk the same way my grandparents used to do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it it reminds me of it's the pendulum swings from side to side. And the more you advance, there's things that are being lost. And as you were describing that picture of your grandfather, I could almost imagine him barefoot as well. Absolutely. And then, you yeah. Are <laughs> yeah, the connection to the earth. And so now all of these things are coming back as holistic ways. but.
1: We kind of had them, we just kind of lost them. Yeah, we just forgot. That's all. And and I'm I call this a time of remembering. You know, a lot of people have been upset about the quarantine related to COVID. I'm not upset with the quarantine. The quarantine has reminded some people that birds do chirp. <laughs> I've had people say isn't it crazy how the birds are chirping now? No, babe, they were always chirping. You just <laughs> you weren't sitting still so you could hear them. Yes. So this time is a time of remembering how to slow down and walk barefoot in the grass and watch the sunrise or set and listen to the birds chirp. Yes. Yes. That's a, a beautiful, a beautiful reminder. What would you
0: say are some of the myths about meditation that you would like to dispel? And do you think that everyone should practice some form of meditation?
1: Well, I'll answer the second one first because I think that's easier. Yes, I do think that it is helpful for people of all ages, all backgrounds, all environments to practice some form of being still and being quiet. I think it's healthy for the brain and it shouldn't only be when you go to sleep. I think it should be a time when you are awake, coherent and conscious so that you can literally hear yourself think. Sometimes there's just so much going on. You know, you, you know that phrase, I can't hear myself think it's okay. too much. It just allows you to hear yourself think and then eventually you stop thinking and then you can hear everything else. So I do think everyone should do it. Some of the myths, I think, similar to some other mind-body things, people think you have to already be at a successful point to even start. Mm-hmm. Kind of like yoga. People say, oh, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible. Well, dude, that's the reason why you do it. <laughs> you start somewhere. You, you come to the mat inflexible and then you slowly build flexibility and meditation is the same so i think there is a misconception that you're supposed to already be able to slow down your thinking and be able to sit still and know it's okay if that's not where you are i think there's also a misconception that you have to sit in a certain position with like your hands in a certain position because that's the way we always see the pictures right People sitting with their legs folded, their hands on their knees, palms up with their forefinger and thumb together. But meditation, I tell people all the time, it happens when you're sitting at the stoplight in your car close to your house. I'm going to tell every one of your listeners when they've done a form of meditation. It's called, in in Sanskrit, the term is Pratyahara Pratyahara. And it means a removal of the senses. So I'm going to tell everyone when they've done this. You are driving your car on a regular route from like the grocery store or work or something to your home. And there's something really important on your mind. And you cannot stop thinking about this thing. And it has so much taken over your mind that you don't see the red stoplight. You see it, Mm -hmm. but you're not conscious and aware of seeing it. The air conditioner is blowing, but you don't feel it on your skin. You do feel it, but you're not consciously aware of feeling it. The light turns green, you turn right, but you're not consciously aware of stepping on the accelerator, turning the steering wheel and moving through the green light to your home. In fact, you are so out of it that you end up at home. And if somebody asked you, how did you get there? You wouldn't be able to tell them. Uh Hmm. Is that something you can relate to? Absolutely. That is a form of meditation. So no, you don't have to be sitting still on a mat in a room uninterrupted with your hands in a certain position. That's why some styles of meditation do things like chanting or they play music or they ring bells. or They ask you to stare at something or they say, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? Because they're giving you that thing that made you no longer conscious of Uh. seeing and hearing and feeling. You needed something to focus on. And in the case of driving home, it was the thought. That thought was your focus point. Another misconception is that there's a right or wrong way to do it, there's no such thing. However you do it, that helps you to focus or calm down or go away or feel better or reduce your blood pressure that's the right thing for you that's the right way so there's there's no way that somebody could come and say oh you're not doing it right (laughs) that's not that's not real for meditation (laughs) and and even yoga is the same way that's why i kind of stopped teaching traditional yoga because people are like well that's not the pose or why are you you know let's get away from labels and right and wrong so people can flow their way you know and meditation is the same way, but I, I think those are probably some of the, the top um, myths and misconceptions. Great, I love that. That reminds me of prayer
0: that you don't have to be sitting with your hands together and your eyes closed to pray. You can pray
1: throughout your day in all different absolutely. ways. Absolutely, absolutely. Just just having gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I get out of my car, wherever it is I'm going, I'm just thankful that I made it safely. That's prayer. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. Thank you. I witnessed that. I appreciate that.
0: Mm -hmm. So realizing that meditation has so many benefits and there's so many different ways to do it. What advice would you give someone
1: who would like to obtain those
0: benefits, but just can't get into it?
1: I I think um, something that you mentioned earlier is really helpful. There are so many apps now online that people can search until they find something that matches their style and their their time as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a, a meditation album, shameless plug real quick, Guided Meditations by Althea. Guided Meditations by Althea. And this album is available for download individual songs on all formats. Title and Pandora and Apple Music. You can buy it on Amazon and iTunes. But there is one track on there called Traffic Jam. And I made that one on purpose because there are people who say, you know, I don't have time to do that. There's not a class near me. I don't want to use my electronics, blah, blah, blah. So this way, while you're sitting in traffic, you can play The 10-minute traffic jam meditation, it's not going to put you to sleep. It's not going to cause an accident or anything. I do have that voice that's a little soporific and put you to sleep. But I try to be a, a tiny bit more energetic. And I'm giving you different things to look at and observe around you in traffic to help the time go by as you're stuck. Love looking that. for coincidences and numbers. What's on a billboard? What message just came to you? What colors do you, you know? So I just think there's so many ways for people to get started. They just have to start looking for the resources.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I I love that idea because a lot of times a traffic jam does the exact opposite of what meditation does. It stresses you out and it raises pressure. So that's a perfect opportunity to,
1: um, take that time to meditate. Mm Mm-hmm and in all those different forms. So, you know, going back to your point earlier, of the different styles, here is a style that's more mindful based. So that's what traffic jam is, is using mindfulness meditation. Whereas some of the other tracks um, on there, like Sleepy Time, for instance, it fades out to nothingness. So you can just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not mindfulness. It's, it's something a little bit different. So there's so many different styles, so many different teachers, so many different platforms. I think everybody has some way that they could get started.
0: Yeah. So just, you know, find your way and, and start. Mhm. So you have led 18 living life limitlessly wellness retreats in Southeast Asia, Africa, Central America, the Caribbean and the US, which mm-hmm. is just phenomenal and amazing. And like we mentioned earlier, I'm excited and looking forward to my retreat that I'll be at the yes. end with you in 2021. Can you share the mission of living life limitlessly and what you try to accomplish in your
1: retreats? Yeah, the retreats started kind of like a lot of things start by happening, you know, just just by accident, sort of. My business partner, Yvonne, had uh, been diagnosed with cancer in 2010 and she was in the hospital. And so I was running our business by myself and taking care of my kids and taking care of her house and my house and her yard and my yard and Mm -hmm. teaching her classes and my classes and seeing all my clients and growing the corporate business. And I needed an outlet. So I took myself to the mountains for the day and it was so refreshing so rejuvenating that I came back a different person for everyone, for my clients, for her, for my children, for my husband, for our studio. And I started right then putting together my first retreat. Mm -hmm. She passed away in 2012. And as we were finalizing her will and talking about the things she wanted to do for her estate, as she was moving to hospice i remember her looking at me in my eyes and kind of tearing up and saying we did a lot together althea but man there were still things i wanted to do and it was after that time that i realized i don't ever want to look into someone's eyes and say that yeah i want to live my life limitlessly and that's why I trademarked the term living life limitlessly. And um, prior to that, I had been saying, well, I'm a stay at home mom with a side job, a side job, which is like videos and TV shows and corporate wellness in a studio. <laughs> but it's, the way, it's the way I felt, you know, and I was putting off travel and seeing all these places because I kept giving myself the excuse My kids need me. My husband needs me. My studio needs me. My clients need me. And, you know, just a couple of years after she passed, I was like, I can't keep waiting. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I started solo tripping, doing things I'd always wanted to do that I always talked about that I'd never done And that was the birth of living life limitlessly. And people wanted to go with me. They wanted to go on those trips. They wanted to zip line in rainforest and, you know, climb parts of the Grand Canyon. And they wanted to kayak with me in the dark through mangroves in Puerto Rico to see bioluminescent organisms in the bay under moonlight. Mm. And... Those are things I just wanted to do for myself. So I figured, why not take other people too? And that's where living life limitlessly came from. Mm,
0: Wow. That is a very poignant story, but, but I mean, I know it's not a story. It's real life. And I could feel your heart as you were, as you were describing that and how it came to be. And I'm sure you have your courage to do that has given a lot of other people courage to be able to do it. So,
1: so that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And I do want to say that that's actually a gift that Yvonne gave me. She's not physically here, but you know, some of the skills I've learned through meditation and um, trance and, you know, journeying with some different um, cultures of people, you know, I've been able to connect with her and learn from her and see all the gifts that she has been sharing through her sickness and through her transition. So um, I don't see it necessarily as sad anymore, but more it's an opportunity for growth and expansion.
0: Lovely. So one of the other the questions that I wanted to ask you as you were, you know, building this career and building your life and you talk about how you don't see you know the loss of your partner as as sad anymore you kind of have been able to make peace and see the gifts in it what have been some of the fears that you had to confront and overcome on this journey
1: (laughs) there's been a lot and some that i'm still working through I'm going to, so you ask the question, so I'm going to answer it honestly, and then listeners will make a choice about learning more about what I'm going to say. So I'll start easily. One of the easy things I had to get over is caring about what other people think. That's a big one that I think gets in most of our way, caring what other people think. Deciding to close my studio in 2012 was hard for me, not just because my business partner was gone and that was our thing that we kind of built together. But it was also hard because it was during a financial crisis in the U.S., you know, 2008 to 2012, 13 was really rough. And so I felt like people were going to look at me and judge me as a failure, like a business failure. And I just had to get over that crap and move on with life and not care what people think. And I'll tell you, it was one of the best things I could have ever done because it gave me the freedom to literally fly, like get on a plane and just fly away. Mm -hmm. The, The week that I closed the studio, I left the keys with one of the studio managers and got on a plane and went to Kenya with my mom. <laughs> I, I was like, I need to just get away from here and I wanna mourn and I wanna clear and I wanna learn about the Kikuyu people and the Maasai and I just wanna be on a mountain, you know, somewhere. In Kenya. <laughs> that's what I did. So that that's one thing, one fear that honestly I had to get over, but here's the next one. And this was the one I was a little hesitant to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, plant medicine. I think that culturally, especially in the African-American culture, especially for Christians, just being honest, we look very negatively at things that, were at one time really uh culturally acceptable and a part of our life, uh, many generations back. And I'm talking about like healing plants and roots and flowers and herbs and things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um when I'm talking about plant medicine now, I am going back to talking about like marijuana, mushrooms, uh ayahuasca peyote and um inboga. And I did have a fear of some of the ones that are a little different like ayahuasca, Uh but those are journeys that I took. And I have found such amazing expansion for myself physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually since that time. Um, And I, I have integrated other plant medicines as well. You know, since that time. So I, I would say that's another fear for me, like not knowing what to expect, what's going to happen. Cause we, if for people who study these plants that I'm talking about, if you see the documentaries and the things on YouTube, they can be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I've got to bring this up. I think indigenous people are so connected to nature and spirituality in a different way and I won't say different from who, I'll just say in a different way, that I think it moves in us differently. And we have a completely different relationship to that plant and the spirit that each of the plants embody. That is very interesting because that's
0: not anything that I have ever heard before. But it resonates kind of at a a deeper level that, that that would make sense. So...
1: That, that's a nice teaser. It makes me very curious to learn more. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I was hesitant to mention it because I know that the, a lot of these things have been demonized so much. They're illegal in our country. You know, all the things we hear about it are so negative. But again, that's conditioning mm-hmm. uh, that kind of keep people from learning natural ways to self-heal. Absolutely. There's,
0: so much conditioning and and a lot of the conditioning is for the benefit of systems and people and not for your benefit so that's correct yeah, yeah. so as we wrap up, I wanted to know if you have any new programs
1: that you want to share with our listeners. I'm sure you do. You you have do, a lot of things. <laughs> I, I do, but I have one that's so, excited, so exciting to me that's directly related to what we're talking about with meditation. When my company started, the, and the company is Aerobics Yoga and More, the, what I was mentioning. It's a corporate wellness company now that we've closed the physical studio. And so there are several teachers that I have that before the quarantine were physically going into different corporations, hospitals, schools, universities, and teaching mind-body classes. These could be yoga classes, it might be Pilates, uh, lots of meditation classes, and a lot of companies, believe it or not, were very open to Workshops on essential oil healing, crystals and stones, Reiki healing. It is amazing how many Fortune 50 companies are really, really bringing in a lot of natural healing modalities into their offices. So, with the growth of that, I found I was like one of the only people in my company that had an extensive background in meditation. I had lots of yoga instructors and uh, Pilates instructors, but not as many with an understanding of Reiki, which is hand energy healing and meditation. So I created a training certification for meditation instructors last year and started certifying teachers and then hiring them for my company to go and teach at all these companies to free up my time. And what I'm so excited about is I was able to create an online certification during the quarantine because we were no longer able to train in person. And so now there is an eight module self-paced course completely online that anyone is able to take, get certified. And because they have to pass a lot of quizzes and submit videos of their teaching, I'm able to kind of vet people to see who I'd like to hire to work for my company and other cities and states, um, especially since virtual sessions are now options for a lot of the companies that AYM has as clients. So that's the biggest program that I'm excited about. And people can learn more by going to Bit dot L Y forward slash meditation instructor training. There's a whole video out there to kind of talk about it a little bit more breaking down each of the modules and how the testing and certification happens. But even bigger is, and and I'm so excited about this because I'm literally rolling it out this month. I am personally sponsoring over $16,000 worth of scholarships Because I would really love to see more BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color, being certified as meditation instructors. So I have a scholarship um, program out there and an online application that's open until October 31st that people can come and apply and be able to take the course for free because I just want more people to benefit from the healing aspects of meditation.
0: Wow, that is amazing. So let me just make sure I heard you correctly. So there's an opportunity to have online training and become a certified meditation instructor. And once you become a certified meditation instructor, there may be an opportunity to be hired by your company to teach it and you have a
1: scholarship. And I have a scholarship, but this is the juicy piece. This is the juicy piece. And I literally <laughs> just decided this like yesterday. Oh my gosh. So yesterday I decided that I was also going to invite some of the, you know, really good instructors to lead a workshop if they desire on one of my international retreats. Wow. So. I got to figure out how to roll that out and how to vet the people. It, It might be something where like, you know, people get to vote on the best video of an instructor or something like that. But I don't know. My mind is always creating something. So that, that's coming down the pike. Okay. Okay. We will definitely stay
0: tuned. That is all very exciting. So you gave us the information on the meditation instructor class. Mm-hmm. Can you share your website and your other social media in case um, people would like to follow
1: your retreats and all the corporate wellness and all of the other things that you're doing? For Sure. Thank you so much for asking. So the corporate wellness site is a Y M like Mary fitness dot com. That stands for aerobics, yoga and more. AYM fitness My personal website is my name, AltheaLawtonThompson.com. And the retreats are at AltheaRetreats.com. And you can see all of the upcoming retreats I have in 2021. Um, Like we said, we'll be going to Bali in July, Costa Rica in June, be back here in uh, a little bit north of Atlanta in the Georgia mountains in August. And I have a couple of surprise things in the works. I'm not ready to roll them out mm-hmm. just yet. All of those you can find at althearetreats.com. And um, I'm on all social media I'll, um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. And it's just my name, Althea Lawton Thompson. You can find me on all of them. Lovely.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to share and share everything that you've shared. And you've been so transparent. It's really been an
1: enlightening conversation. And I appreciate you for um, having this conversation because there's things that we're talking about that I don't think everyone is talking about. So kudos to you for having SOAR and bringing me to your audience. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of SOAR.
1: If you'd like to reach me for coaching,
0: you can reach me at www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And if you want to follow SOAR, you can follow Sisters Overcoming and Rising on Instagram or Stephanie Brown Coaching on Facebook. Goodbye for now.